Welcome to the Impact Sessions, a business podcast hosted by me, Nick Bramley, CEO and Director of Impact at Impactus Group. The Impact Sessions brings you weekly insights and experiences from some of my most valued, trusted and influential business contacts across a range of current, interesting and hopefully thought-provoking subjects designed to give you some practical tips and ideas to drive continued success in your business. On this episode, I'm delighted to introduce Sarah Byrne, Managing Director of Mosaic Events. Sarah runs a 16-year mature, small-medium-sized business based in York in the north of England and has maintained momentum and passion for that business every day over those 16 years. Sarah's going to share with us some insights and experiences in how to maintain that passion and momentum for a mature SME business. So hope you enjoy the podcast. So today on the podcast, I'm delighted, absolutely delighted to invite one of my long-standing friends and business colleagues and associates with me, Sarah Byrne. Sarah's Managing Director of Mosaic Events based in York, in the beautiful city of uh, York in uh, North Yorkshire. Um, and basically, Sarah's been running Mosaic Events for 16 years. So whilst we'll touch on the business a little bit, I'm really interested in exploring how do you maintain that momentum and passion in a mature sort of small medium sized business because i think a lot of business owners probably have the similarity of 16 years wow you know what's next how do i how do i keep going and that kind of thing so it doesn't feel like a job it still feels fresh and new so that's kind of what we're going to explore so welcome to the podcast sarah Thank you very much for having me here, Nick. I'm very excited. Excellent. Well, always a pleasure to be in the same company as you. So let's explore things that maybe our listeners and viewers could be uh, inspired by. So I mentioned earlier, you've been going 16 years Mosaic events. Um, So, you know, I've known you all that time. And all that time, I'm always amazed by the fact that you are constantly upbeat, constantly positive. Um, Do you want to talk us through... Going back, how and why you set the business up originally, because that might have a part of why you're still passionate about it. What was the reasoning behind it and how did it, how did it come about? So when I was a little girl, I knew I'd have my own business. I always It was always something I wanted. I grew up in a family um, where my father had his own business. So I always saw from a very young age the kind of real benefits to having your own business. I think um, one of the main things I would say is I've always loved hard work. Right. So um, yeah, it was definitely the way to go. Um, when I was When I was 11... I worked in a restaurant and um, worked really hard washing up. I'm not sure if they'd allow it these days, no, to be fair. That's child yeah, labor. exactly. It's not good, not good. But um, by the time I was 16, I was running the place, wow. along with doing a couple of other jobs as well. So I think actually the person that you are when you're 15 or 16 actually is the person you end up re- or you end up kind of almost reverting back to that. So it's for me, it was about hard work and always that I loved working with people I really mm. did um, and for me I always wanted my days to be different right. and to be challenged um, and knew that I wouldn't be happy with it being the same every mm. day so for me that's really why I set up my own business because I knew that it would give me the things that that I enjoyed. But when you set up first of all why events and secondly it was what I would call a generalist event company, wasn't it? Just talk us through why, I mean, why you, you chose events. If you're going to run your own business, it could be anything, I guess. So why did you choose the event space? And, 
you know, what was it about in the in the early days for you, Sarah? Yeah, so I started, I ended up in events really. Um, I suppose it kind of led to events. I started off actually wanting my own restaurant. All right. And so I did um, hospitality and tourism and that sort of thing at college and university. And when I finished, I did a graduate training course with um, Swallow Hotel Group. All right. Um, which was fantastic. Got to see all the different operations in hotels. But I actually liked the sales side of it the most. Mm. Um, and then ended up basically leaving hotels and landing a job in events, which actually the events sector back then wasn't what it is now. Mm. Um, and ended up working for a law firm, managing their events Um I managed a couple of offices there, their different events. Um, what, was, internal client events, external Yeah, it event. was both. It was full on, actually. It was a lot of events. Um, and it was great, really. I absolutely loved it. And mm. I thought, right, I need... So I had kind of commercial experience in a kind of high-level uh, law firm. And then I thought, you know, I'll get some experience working um, in public sector and went to work for the Chief Constable of West Yorkshire Police. Oh, wow. So that was really different. So mm. I organised events from that side. But then, so really, it kind of paved the way to set up an events company I never actually worked for an events agency which actually with hindsight I think was the best was the best thing because I never had any you know formed way of doing things I just I learned the hard way really yeah, make, <laughs> make it up as you go along That's and it. think what what felt right yeah. to you so even though mm. you're working at the you know, law firm and you're working at the sort of the, the police authority as it were um was it still a, just a matter of time then before you thought right I'm, I'm doing this with a path to setting up my own company at some stage. Absolutely. I always knew that's what I was going to do. And when I worked at the police, interestingly, I, it was it was actually really, it was a great job mm. because actually um, it wasn't as full on as the law firm. So I managed to write my business plan, right. which was like war and peace, to be fair, um, and launched my business pretty much straight away. So when I packed in my job, I had clients. or And I think Lined that was up. the key thing for me, really. I, I wasn't in a position financially where I could, you know, have a couple of months without earning money. So, yeah. it was, you know, it was quite risky, really. I look back now and I think, wow, gosh, I, you know, at the time I just did it. But I'm that sort of person, really. But but you've got hard work, you've got a work ethic. I suspect at the back of your mind on some level would have been, if it doesn't work, I'll get a job anyway. Somebody will give me a job because I'll work hard and I'll, I'll do it anyway. So you're taking risks, but calculated risk, isn't it, really? Yeah. Definitely, okay. I'd agree <clears throat> with that, yeah. Okay. The business has transitioned in that sort of length of time since you've had it. What does it look like now compared to what it looked like in day one? Well, it's completely different. I will say that. Um, when we started, I literally would do anything for anybody right. <laughs> in terms of events. We, you know, we do, you know, any type of company, any type of size, any any type of event. Um, and then as the years have gone on, I, you know, I realised actually it pays to be focused and niche and certainly in my sector. Mm. Um, and so we, in latter years, um, now focus on working with associations right. in delivering conferences in particular so we do event management income generation and also membership management which is a which is obviously moving slightly away from events but is a great way of kind of having regular clients it, add, it adds value to them as well doesn't it absolutely yeah. it does so it's very different plus mm. you know the whole setup is really different it's interesting actually because i've always had an office mm. from day one so i remember my office back in the day when i started had the biggest size monitor you could imagine on your desk <laughs> do you remember those really deep ones oh, and it was the, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Li- you went in there was a plant a, um, a computer monitor 
taking over the place and it was like so cold and damp. I was at the Fishergate Centre oh, yeah, in York yeah, and it yeah. was, you know, it's so different. And now I, you know, have a nice slimline laptop and hop desk. So, you know, times yeah. have changed, definitely. But the times have changed based on the thing. I'll just take you back a little bit. The I really do value that niche approach. I, I, I've mentioned to a couple of guests on the podcast series so far. I don't think people value generalists anymore. I think people do expect someone to be an expert in a particular field. So so why associations and why the services that you provide to associations? What was the, because you could have gone down any route at some stage, what was it about that particular niche that, that was most attractive to you? <clears throat> so there was a couple of things really. The first thing was that associations will always need to deliver events even in da- times of economic downturn. So oh. so that was a kind of obvious one. Also, um, a lot of associations are run by volunteers and the mm. kind of vibe that you get working with clients who are part of associations is, is can be very different. It's a little bit more informal, if I'm being honest. Mm. And I quite liked that um, side of it. And we ended, we've ended up working heavily in so, uh, the education sector for associations mm. and um and again we kind of fell into it it was you know we got a client who was in education and then they recommended us to another one um but i will say i think that for associations we can really add value um you know the expertise that they need in order to deliver events not mm. only deliver events but also make them profitable and um, we really we really do deliver on that you know so for example you know an association that we started working with they from their exhibition they would net I don't know 15,000 say mm. you know after working with us on changing the sponsorship the way that they approached it um, and exhibitions pa- packages we got 60 grand in yeah. so you know it's, it's, a, big it's a big difference <laughs> and it, it means that that association's got money to put back into it not only for the conference but also to enhance things for their members so and it was an, it was an area that was really interesting I mm. found I would imagine it would have been an area that was particularly not overly serviced either. You know, it wouldn't have been a lot of people specifically targeting that that niche. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I think it's interesting in events. And I think you find as well, you know, where you best sit. And for me, um, we're quite, we're, you know, being kind of high-end creative mm. is not really what we were about. Mm. Uh, you know, the logistics and the process for us is what we're good at and uh, what and what associations need. And I identified that, I guess. Well, I've been involved in a few associations, uh, you know, speaker. I was a, um, uh, an MC at an event just just recently and uh, you know the association staff are fabulous but they've got other day jobs haven't they so that process that professionalism elevating them you know, to to making things more effective for them could only be a benefit, I guess, can't it? Yeah, and I think it's important for associations as well because actually what they need to concentrate on is the content, is Mm. really engaging with members and actually making it so that people really want to, you know, attend their events Mm. um, and be engaged with them. And, you know, for membership organisations, times have really changed. They've really, really had to, you know, change the way they work and, again, segment the way they work in terms of their audiences, looking at younger people Mm. um, versus maybe people that have been members for years and how they deliver and how their they, messages to how them. How do they absorb content yeah. and how do they engage with the membership brand and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, so interesting. All right, so um, you run a small business, 16 years you've been going, as I said. Um, there's loads of challenges running a small business. I've, I've got down here a few things. You've got cash flow, balancing the winning of work with delivery of that work, staff, all those kind of things. So 
What's been the biggest or most regular challenge that you would say you've had to manage over the years as uh, as MD of Mosaic Events? Without a shadow of a doubt, it's pricing. Right. For <laughs> us, um, as we are a service-based business, mm-hmm. uh, in events, it is definitely the biggest challenge. And that's because in events, things happen that are out of your control. So you can sit and plan a job out and think, oh yeah, you know, it's going to it's gonna take this amount of time. And actually, you know, you get caught out. And, mm. and, and for all the years I've been in business, it is something I've certainly got better at, mm. but it's something that sometimes can still catch us out. Um, because clients need to have a fixed idea of what it's going to cost them. Mm. You know, they do. Yeah. And But if you're in a situation where some you know, something happens, a ball's dropped and actually it's, you know, it's potentially if you, if you don't do what you need to do, the event's not going to happen versus, oh, I need to put an extra invoice in. Well, you can't work like that. You have to deliver the event. It's so time sensitive what we do. Um, So for us, you know, we, we do things like you know, log time, um, and we try and be realistic with clients, and and try and obviously leave some room for mar- you know a bit of extra kind of danger money, as it were. Yes. Um, but yeah, for me, that's probably been the biggest challenge. I think that goes back. I'd like to explore that a little bit as well, because a lot of businesses don't get the scope right at the outset, do they? So looking at that, I think it's really important. I think given the experience you've got, you probably do have a good idea of how many hours it takes to do a certain task or process. But having an agreed scope is really important, but also having an agreed scope that's what is excluded from that scope is just as important to pricing, isn't it? You know, we'll do all this, we'll do all that, but this is actually not including in the scope and the pricing. If you want that, that's fine, we can deliver it, but it's an extra. Is that something you've learned to deliver and deal with over the time, like getting that scope really tight down? Absolutely, that's it. And I think the challenge you've got in events, because there is so many different areas that you're delivering, if you're delivering an event from start to finish, you're doing everything from working with them on content development, actually structuring the programme, the exhibitors, you know, speakers, delegates, everything. And actually, sometimes that is hard to keep to that kind of extra mm. scope. But like you say, as you've done it a couple you know, you've done, I've done it for a long time now. I've certainly learnt, if you like, the hard way <laughs> on those things. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely the biggest challenge. Okay, no worries. I'm glad you didn't say staff because you've got a really good team, haven't you? Oh, I, I have. No, I would never say that. Yeah. No, no, no be, I've got a great team. Yeah. <laughs> you'd be surprised how many people would say, oh, biggest challenge yet. It's those people who work for me. What an absolute nightmare. Yeah. That doesn't work definitely at Mosaic events. You've got a great team, haven't yeah. you? Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question, personality or process, I'm going to call it, okay? So what would you say has the biggest impact on a small business in terms of maintaining their day-to-day passion? Is it the following a process and doing the same thing right? Or is it the personality that you bring to it? You know, what's your kind of take on maintaining your own momentum? Because you've got a fantastic spirit and that spirit doesn't change day-to-day 16 years in. So what is it, personality or process? What do you think it defines that for you? It's both. It, you know, it, it really is. For me, process is really important mm-hmm. because it's what we do. And, you know, actually, it does really float my boat. Okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, personality is also really, you know, a, a, a big part of it. You've got to enjoy what you do. Mm. And, and I think that's fundamentally it. 16 years on, I still enjoy what I do. I still love going out on site to an event, being with people, mm dealing with challenges, dealing with nightmares, you projectile vomit moments, as we call it in the trade, <laughs> you know, um, I love it. I mm. thrive off it. And that's, and that's so important. And I think that, I think 16 years on, I think you still have to love it. You do. Well, 
it almost must feel then that it's not really your job. It's just something that you do. Is that fair? It's a way of life. Absolutely. It really is a way of life. You know, my job's really interesting because we have our really super busy periods, which are, can be really full on and they're not for the faint hearted. I will say that, you know, but then we have our quiet periods where, you know, you can take time to relax and reflect. And and that's what I like about it really. It's Mm. kind of all, all or nothing. (laughs) But going back to what you said earlier, the very first thing you said was about you've got a great work ethic and I think that's in someone's DNA or not isn't it and I don't think you can teach people that I think you know they can see people having it but you've either got it or you've not you've got a great work ethic so how do you cope with the ups and downs because work ethic people like you and like me we love being busy don't we we love being at the in in like the heart of the, the the tornado as it were so when it's not as busy when you have got a bit of a quiet period how do you make the most of that and how does that affect you as a person in your kind of spirit? I think that's really interesting. I think I've got, uh, as as time's gone on, I've certainly got better at um, taking time out for myself. So in the early days, the hard work ethic, I, you know, I, 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 was, I would have probably say I was slightly addicted to work. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. Um, and I think that it's, yeah, it's one of those things that as you go on, you realise that actually you really need to take time out to reflect and to really, you know, take time out for yourself and and relax and, you know, give yourself space because you are better. You're on your A game more when you've, when you've had that space. Um, so, yeah, so I think that for me, it's probably more around reflecting on the good stuff. Mm. So, you know, it's important in the in the good times to really reflect on the good stuff and even, think about even when you're busy in those good absolutely. times. Absolutely. <laughs> and think to yourself, you know, actually that was an event, that heart event was hard. You know, I've had mm. I've done some big events, I've done some challenging events and mm. and when they were they're over, it's ta- you know, great to sit back and think, yeah, I did that. And mm. that was really difficult. But also what's important, I think, in the down times where you have really challenging times, what I try and do to kind of see me through is just really take from the situation what I'm going to learn and do differently next time and just try and bring a positive out of a negative situation and move forward. And I, re- I really do live by that, actually. I think that's really important to do. Well, you, you over the 16 years I've worked with you on and off, you, you're, a, you're very good at, at kind of working <laughs> on your business, aren't you, rather than in your business. And it's really commendable for a, 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 a business owner at a small business level to to take that time to reflect you know you've had away days you've had strategy days you've had sessions where you've brought experts in to look at your business in terms of your people and you know all those kind of things um what value do you put on doing that kind of thing or is that just filling time waiting for the next gig no it that's really important and i think as the years have gone on i've realized how important it is so it's really important to listen to the your team in terms of what training and support they need and making sure that you take time to deliver that um and also you know one of the things we do at the end of every year is we we sit together as a team and look at the objectives for the next year that's not just me that does Mm. that we do that as a team together um and look at the areas of support we might need and like you say get experts in to come and talk talk to us or you know um often the team will do webinars or they'll go on courses or Mm. that sort of stuff so it's really important i think in our sector things change a lot you know we really do need to be kind of ahead of the game in terms of technology Mm. um, and that side of it so yeah i'd say it's say it's something that 
more recently have probably spent more time on it's interesting I, I've had a bit of a shift in terms of um, taking a step back from the business recently and becoming a lot more strategic than mm. I ever have been um, and I, I've already really seen the difference that that has made so have, yeah. you, have you enjoyed taking that step back at first it might be quite a, a challenge for someone who <clears throat> like you say it's culturally embedded in you how have you found being able to take the step back I found it actually really easy, yeah. only because I think I was ready for it. I think 16 years on, times change. You've, mm. You kind of go round the block a couple of times and come round the other end and think, actually, I'm ready for something different mm. um, and ready to be challenged in a different way. So I, um, one of my team members that had worked with me for six years, I promoted her to events and operations manager. She now runs Mosaic day to day. And I've taken a step back and I'm starting to develop another project, um, which will keep me interested. And it's it's linked to events. Um, yeah. Essentially, it's event it's it's training for events managers. Yeah. So um, so yeah. So that's kind of been a good step for me. That's interesting because a lot of businesses, business owners particularly, are not the greatest delegators in the world. Either by the very nature, you know, they say every business owner's got an element of control freak in them. I think it's one of my guests in the earlier podcast series used that phrase. Um, so how have you found being able to a find somebody that you trust with your business and be the handover of that trust to that person because that's quite inspiring to a lot of business owners listening they may think I'd love to do that what would you what would your advice be around kind of taking that step I would say I for many years believed it was a mosaic could only be he- led by me and I was challenged actually I have a business coach I was challenged by my business coach on this mm-hmm. and and she was absolutely right to challenge me. And she was like, you know, she really made me think, actually. It was one of those light bulb moments, yeah, if you yeah. like, which was probably about four years ago now. And it was it, straight away I realised that actually I was putting barriers up that didn't need to be there. And that actually when you give people the time and the respect and the trust they really can, you know, they really fly. And I think sometimes that's what some business owners get wrong, actually, is that, you know, you think it's all down to them, that it has to be them, you know, doing the doing, when actual fact it doesn't. And it's been really interesting process because... With with Sarah, who's taken over, you know, it's been probably a period of over a year it, it was because obviously there was some events that I was still heading up that mm-hmm. I needed to finish. And and yeah, and I really haven't found it hard and I don't find it hard in terms of trust because Sarah has <clears throat> obviously worked with Mosaic Events for six years. Mm. So actually, you know, the trust was already there. I already yeah. knew she could do it. There was no... So I guess in terms of how did I find her? Well, she was a member of staff that I developed actually yeah. and mentored. And, and now she's, you know... She's taken the step forward and, and managing the business day to day. And do you know what? It's a really great thing to see as as somebody's manager mm. to watch them. You know, she's had some difficult situations that she's had to deal with, and I have let her do it. I've yeah. supported her, but and, and the development and the growth in her in twelve months has been amazing to yeah. see. Really, and that's has. great for you, as you say. Reflect yeah. on that with some pride, don't you? Yeah, well? you do. You yeah. really do. Excellent. We well, don't learn to drive by sitting in the passenger seat either, do you? No. So you've got to let them have the steering wheel occasionally Absolutely. and try that. Okay. Um, something I, I'd like to explore. You recently posted a, a great little video on sort of the values of the business. Um, I don't want to explore too much about values. I've done that with other guests and things, but you know the impact of those values. Why? Uh, what? 
what val- what sort of impact would you say your values have as mosaic events internally and externally then massive i mean there was a piece of work we did about four years ago as a team that so you know in the early years of business i had values but i don't think i really quite you know marked them out and said okay this is what they are i knew that you know there were certain things that i I believed and and i suppose that subconsciously i did check in with them but it's about four years ago we did a piece of work where we sat down as a team and identified the values Um, and you know what they've been great for as a check-in process Mm. so it's almost like when we recruit new team member do they fit with these values and um, suppliers do they respect us mm. are they efficient are they fun to work with yeah, you know yeah. it's that type of thing so i think values are really important there uh, i think most business owners if you haven't sat down and looked at your values you'll know what they are mm. they'll be you know they'll be similar but i would encourage business owners to, to, in, to involve their staff in that process yeah. because it's not just about what you think it's about actually what the team think and actually your clients what they think what words they use to describe you um, and that tells a lot as well you know so. well values can't be imposed on someone can no. they because of our, for the very nature yeah. they're not their values if you do that so your team involvement your supply chain your customer involvement is really important but that's a great little piece of video i'd encourage anybody watching the uh, uh or listening to the podcast to look it out for for mosaic events and their values piece it's all over linkedin under sarah burns uh, linkedin profile so little picture for you there Sarah. thank okay. you for no that worries, that's fine okay so over the years, you had to make some big decisions, I would suspect, you know, focusing on the markets that you want to look at, the exclusion of others, staff decisions, that sort of stuff. How do you go about making those decisions to ensure that they're the best for the business and best for you as the business owner? What's your decision-making process that allows you to make the best use of that kind of uh, judgment? So I would say my values first and foremost. Mm. So actually, does this align with our values? Um, You know, without naming names, we had a client fairly recently that we decided wasn't aligned with our values and therefore we don't work together anymore and mm. you know that might sound harsh but I think that's it was the best thing for them as well you know it's about getting on the same page both from both sides and mm. um, how do I make decisions well values first and foremost I would again discuss with the team in particular Sarah mm. um, and you know we've been known Sarah and I to do the good old pros and cons approach of you know old-fashioned pros cons yeah absolutely why not it works it really does work you know opening your mind really thinking about it and pushing pushing your thinking but i mean most people will probably say this your gut feeling is a big thing Mm. and and i do believe in that and i do you know try to listen to my gut feeling as well at the same time so try to make a kind of logical decision but also making sure that it's backed up by your gut you know i think the thing with the gut instinct is if it feels wrong it probably is on some Mm. level isn't it and and the thing with that we've all got experiences of where you've taken on a job with a little bit of trepidation thinking this will be a nightmare and funnily enough it is and it's often the ones that are a nightmare that they their service requirements are just unrealistic and they're not prepared to pay for those service requirements so sometimes you've got to good uh, a good place to start definitely and you get better at identifying those situations as you go on 16 years (laughs) 16 years in you'll have some of that actimel sort of uh 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 going on in your stomach thinking yeah good bacteria bad bacteria i'm going to avo- i'm going to avoid the bad ones aren't you absolutely really? excellent okay um 16 years as a business there's loads of support out there um can i ask you what you've ever tapped into as a business owner um particularly in terms of supporting your personal development as a managing director and then perhaps the development of your business as a whole because it's a bit of a minefield isn't it 
Yeah, there's a lot of support. There's a lot of support out there. And I think there's even more support actually now. Mm. Um, when I first started, interestingly, in the first couple of years, I was a member of BNI. Oh, used to right. get up really early in the morning and, the, go to the mes- and go to the meetings. For those who don't know, BNI is Business ne- Network International, International, isn't it? It's a weekly networking yeah. event held on the same day every, every week at its early. It's quite evangelical, but it works for a lot of businesses. It's very driven around... Um, referral strategy, etc. I know loads of people who've been BNI members, and it works a treat. I've known loads of people who've been uh, attended BNI, and it's not for them. But you went down that BNI route for networking purposes in the early days. So, so I just want to explain to the, yeah, the listeners right. and viewers, you know, what the kind of process was, because there's different types of networks, isn't there? Are you a morning person, Sarah? I am absolutely a morning person. Oh, so job. seven a.m. was great for me. I loved it. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I thought. I think what BNI gave me was that weekly um, support. Mm. You know that it was all okay. It was about getting business, absolutely, and I did get business from it. I think it works better for some businesses than others. Yeah. Um. But for me, when I was starting out, I needed that kind of peer support. I needed um the confident. You know, it was a confidence builder, I suppose. Yeah. Um. So BNI in the early days certainly support. You know, was great for my business and for me. Um, all throughout really 16 years on and off, I've been a member of the Association of British Professional Conference Organisers, right. ABCO. And um, I found that incredibly useful because obviously everybody who, every all the members are in similar positions to myself. So mm. we do share best practice and um, they have great networking events, um, great team, you know, so that's been really useful. So there's things like that. But for me, I think the most beneficial thing over the years has been the, it's been my support network my mm. my immediate business contact network like your good self nick <laughs> i've rang you many a times and said nick what would you do in this situation you know and i think that's great is my advice to anybody would be identify who your key people are around mm. you i remember when i had to do a presentation i was really scared and i rang you up i was like nick i'm really scared and you were like you should have rang me sooner this is what you need to do and and you told me and i went and you were in the audience giving me the thumbs up and um yeah it was great it was all right on the day (laughs) i remember smiling and and saying if you're looking for eye contact look to me i'll be be giving you the verbal the facial sort of uh uh, support etc by the way i do remember you smashed it out the park but (laughs) not unusually you you know a lot of people are nervous about those kind of things i do like the idea of having a a, um a peer group of, Mm -hmm. of of just you know, like you say, associates, I've got them, people I trust, and, you know, you'd be one of them, and there's lots of other people, and my podcast guests, to a certain extent, uh, on certain subjects, are the people, I, they're the go-to people for particular areas, aren't they, really? So so you're not tapping into anything particularly formally, except perhaps for the Association of, of, of Conference Organisers you mentioned. A lot of it's informal and just, just you know, you, you're quite good at... Um, self-development aren't you you read a lot you you you, you study things and, and you sort of take on board things from from other other sources yeah yeah I think one of the things I've massively benefited from and I would really again you know say it's one of the top things that has worked for me is I've probably had over the period of at least eight years a business coach and for me that is absolutely brilliant mm. because it gives me an opportunity to to literally pay someone to listen to me bang on about all the things I need wow. to discuss. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> I've listened to you bang on for 16 years. Exactly. Could I have got paid for that? Could I have got paid for yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Excellent. Um, okay. well, no, but I find it really valuable. You know, um, business coach, a great business coach should should challenge you, mm. um, should make you think outside the box. Yeah. And I would honestly say, I, I think that's probably been the biggest 
mm. impact for me. It keep it keeps you I hate the word real, but it does keep you real in terms of someone's challenging you in a way that says, "Really, what about?" Or is that? It's all about goal setting, isn't it? And 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 they're stretching you and and pushing you to to be the best you can be. But in a safe environment, I guess, isn't it really? So yeah, that's definitely. good advice. Good advice. I think um, for me as well, I, because I am a completer finisher, um, I, I, I do really have you know a lot of value in setting goals, setting objectives mm. and having someone to almost be accountable to. Yeah. And for me, that's a big part of it as well. So they're your goal consci- mm. conscience, really. Yeah. yeah. Okay, no worries. So part of this is about maintaining momentum and passion in a mature business that, that, that you run. Um, so if you've got any listeners of you as a running mature small business, it can get quite repetitive. It might get a bit mundane, even a bit boring, um, because it becomes just day-to-day, doesn't it? So what advice would you give someone if they do feel a little bit less in love with their business because it's become a little bit repetitive? What would you say to them? I'd say look at introducing some change, basically. Um, for me, um, I think always reflect on what what you're offering. How can you improve that and make it different and move with the times? So I think in, in any sector, I think if you can do that, it does keep it fresh. Mm. Um, and for me also looking at the projects that you actually do. So if you are a service-based business, looking at the type of clients that you work with and, um, you know, is there any way that you can perhaps change the sector that you work in to change, to you know, make it a bit more interesting? I mean, obviously for us, we'll often get events that come back to us year on year and we love those clients, yes. obviously, but we also love clients that maybe come to us as a one-off with a big, diff- really different project that's in- exciting and a mm. bit different and, you know, that keeps it fresh. But I think for anybody, I would think, you know, like myself really recently, I've got to the stage where I said to you before, I feel like it's time for a little change. And mm. I'm quite open and honest about that. And one of the things obviously I've chosen to do is de- develop um, events management training, mm. but practical training for events managers. Um, and I think that I'd say that to any business owner, really, look, really look at your business and think about actually, is there anything else I can do here to develop new income streams or make it a little bit more interesting for me day to day? Or like me, take a step back you know, give yourself the space yeah. to have time to explore other things. Um, and for me, that's been, that's kept it fresh, definitely. Excellent. Okay. Well, that does maintain that passion and spirit that you've got, which, you know, I think if every, whoever's met you, Sarah, which the first thing they'd say about you is they'd describe you as enthusiastic, wouldn't they? And passionate. So 16 years in that, that that's a commendable uh, credit to you, really. Okay. Thank you. Now, <laughs> finish with, a, I always finish the, the podcast with a, a bit of a lesson or a, you know, golden bullet as it were. So, so what's the biggest lesson that you've learned about yourself over the years as managing director of Mosaic events? Sorry for the tough finish, but that's quite a, quite a tough challenging question. What's the biggest thing you've learned about yourself? Without a doubt, how resilient I am. Yeah. That, that is, yeah. If you'd have, if, if I'd have sat down and, and looked at the years ahead of me back in the day, I'm not sure, you know, it would have been something that have been like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, as time goes on, I think one of my favourite things that I say to myself when times are hard, you know, there's been times over the years where I've been short of business mm. or, you know, there's been a massive problem. Um, and I always think, I always have a little saying that I say to myself, I say, you know what, one phone call, that's all it takes to change the situation I'm in. Yeah. If I'm looking for more work and I'm in a situation where I think, where am I going to get that work from? All it takes is one phone call. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's pushing myself through very difficult times and there has been some difficult times mm. um, and getting through the other end. So resilience, absolutely. And of course, in events, you've got to be pretty resilient. 
I'd have to say, if you couple resilience with work ethic, it's a pretty unstoppable combination, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Sarah, that's been an absolute pleasure to have you as a guest on the podcast. Obviously, I love spending time in your company as, a, as one of your valued business associates. I do listen to you drone on and hammer, <laughs> hammer on a lot. That's not true. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on board. We'll put your details on the end of the podcast so people can contact you if they're an association looking to have their uh, events upskilled and professionalised. And... Uh, as I say, thank you for coming and being a guest of the Impact Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I've absolutely loved every minute. Thank you. Great to see you. Thank you.